How do you feel great on vacation? Like really good? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sand beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll immerse yourself in natural wonder and find your center on an island where things move at your speed. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. everyone, Gabby here. And I'm Brenna. And welcome to the Mystery of Everything podcast. Hey everybody, I'm Brenna. And I'm Gabby. And this is the Mystery of Everything podcast. I feel like I haven't talked to you all in forever. Yeah, we haven't recorded a we haven't recorded together in it's like been over a, a month. long time. This is the first was... time I've seen Gabby's bangs. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been in Japan and then we got back when we were sick and then life. So strep. But Gabby's bangs are banging, rest assured. <laughs> I knew you were going there. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so before I start today's episode, I just want to say thank you all for the reviews. I love them. Um, I'm going to read off a few of my favorites just to keep it fun. So Gabby is a rock star wrote in and said, best new podcast I've listened to in a while. Gabby has been a rock star since I started listening to the History of Everything podcast with her and Steve. I also love Brenna. She sounds like she gets very high before the recording. <laughs> Hilarious and refreshing. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Gabby is a rock star. And that's part of the mystery. Am I high right now? Brenna is never <laughs> high during these. That's just Brenna. No, that's just me. Uh, ooh, another one of my favorites. Mm, Yoda, am I? Says, this is the bed- best podcast I've ever heard. Thank you so much. Brenna sounds depressed all the time. That's because I am. That's her <laughs> secret. She's always depressed. Maybe it's Maybelline. Maybe it's depression. No, I, I, uh, I am depressed. But you know that showbiz baby. Stop skipping. Gotta... Stop skipping therapy. So I'm gonna call you out <laughs> live on I air. Do, I skip therapy for work. I skip endocrinologists, psychiatrists. You name it. Work is life. Sadly, yeah. So I just wanted to read. Th- those were two of my favorites. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, we love your reviews. We love reading your reviews. Please make sure to leave us reviews because that helps our podcast grow. You keep sending them in. We also really want to hear what you have to say. Even if it's roasting mainly Brenna. Roast me. me. Roast Gab. Well, actually, I get roasted within an inch of my life on the history of everything. So maybe don't roast me. I'm new to it. But be gentle with me. I can't quit my own podcast. No. Like I quit Steve's every week. You guys wouldn't know that because I usually quit the day after the episode's released. (laughs) And then I get bullied back into recording by the producer. But anyway, let's get into it. No, we're in this. We're in this for the long haul. I'm still going to continue to read them uh, for now. But if you all get too mean, I might quit because I'm a sensitive little girl. Sorry, that was was weird. (laughs) All right, today's episode. Ooh, this topic is exciting because I might be getting this done to me soon. This episode is about hypnotism. Yay! So as many of you know, I got an anxiety disorder, a little OCD, a little bit of this and that. But um, my therapist and her friend who is a licensed hypnotist, they're thinking about hypnotizing me soon to see if it'll help. And while that sounds terrifying, it kind of sounds pretty cool too. So I will keep you all updated and let you know how that goes. And hopefully it's not scary. All right. So... When I picture a hypnotist, I think of a man like swinging a stopwatch back and forth while telling me I'm getting very sleepy or like people on stage being put to sleep and then waking up to cluck like chickens and do other embarrassing things or like men hypnotizing people to con them into doing things like in the movies. But what I don't think of is helping anxiety and depression. But that's about to change. I've never heard of that, but I'm- I didn't either. Until my therapist mentioned it to me, and I was like, huh, 
I'll try anything. So yeah, that is a thing. But before we dive into that, let's go over hypnotism through the years and how it started. So where did hypnotism begin? For thousands of years, people have been entering into a hypnotic-like state. Meditation in itself can be looked at as a hypnotic state. The earliest record we have of people entering this trance-like, I don't know, trance, dates back to 1027, which is hard for me to even wrap my head around. Who did it? So that instance is in the writing of, I don't know how to pronounce it. Avicenna? Avicenna, where a Persian physician wrote about a trance. What we view as modern-day hypnotism started in the late 18th century by a man named Franz Mesmer. Have you ever heard of him? As in mesmerized? As in mesmerized. (laughs) I was about to get to that. Wait, really? Yeah. Franz was a German physician who is now known as the father of modern hypnotism, and he is where the term mesmerized comes from. Look at that. I just knew. Boom. Hypnotism during that time period was called mesmerism after Franz. So Mesmer thought that hypnotism was almost like magic, like an unseen force that flows from the hypnotist directly into the person who's being hypnotized. He built a theory called animal magnetism off of Isaac Newton's theory of the tides. It states that the existence of an invisible natural force possessed by all living things, so like humans, plants, animals, and and that this force could have physical effects on everything, such as healing. He believes certain tides in the body could be explained by the movements of the sun and the moon. So feelings in the body can be influenced? Were, were the tides feelings or illnesses or emotion, deep emotions? See, I kind of, I don't really know what he was going with with the tides. I feel like maybe more so emotions. Because I feel like hunger could be a tide for me specifically. Well, I think his was more so like he thought that we have magnetic fields in our bodies. I'm going to grab your magnetic field. Tell me if you feel it. I'm trying so hard. I feel a little twitch in my shoulder. See, guys, I think he was on to something. And that's, I mean, that, that's what it is right there. That's all you need to know. No, that's, that's not all you need to know. So <laughs> these magnetic fields in our bodies, he thought, let's say Gabby's is thrown out of whack. I can stand beside her and mine can fix hers. Like compasses, like, you know how you can move the hands with one with a little magnet. You know what I'm talking about? You never yeah, messed around with magnets and compasses. Yeah. So it's probably like that. Like maybe I could be. My magnetic field can like level yours out. I would never want my magnetic field in anybody's. Actually. So you know how when <laughs> you're upset and then I'm upset, but you're upset. So I'm trying to calm you down. Then I'm talking you through it. So then I'm less upset. That is true. We even each other out. It's probably just like, it's, it's definitely not magnetism, but I'm going to say it's magnetism. Well, I feel a little, maybe like empathy and stuff. Oh, not empathy, empaths. I don't know. If someone's vibes are off, then I definitely absorb that shit and it makes me miserable. It probably has nothing to do with this at all. <laughs> but like if I'm around you and I can tell you're in a shit mood, then I suck it right up and it ruins my day. Anyways, all right, and this is why we don't do therapy. And this is why I get comments like, "Brenna sounds depressed all the time." (laughs) (laughs) I'm doing the best I can. You're doing amazing, sweetie. All right, back into the episode. Mesmer once produced an artificial tide in a patient by the name of Francisca Osterlin in 1774. This woman suffered from hysteria. So, of course, Franz had her swallow a concoction containing iron, and then he attached magnets to various parts of her body. Science. (laughs) Wait a minute. I did not think this was going to go in that direction. I I feel bad laughing at it, but he made her drink iron and then magnetized. Maybe he was onto something. We don't know. We do know. I love it. I love the (laughs) out of the box thinking. It had to start somewhere. So Francisca said that she felt streams of a mysterious fluid running through her body for for several hours until her her symptoms vanished. So it worked. See, was it a placebo effect or? I have a feeling it was probably a placebo effect. 
But Mesmer didn't think it was only the magnets that had found a cure for Francisca's ailments. He thought he had contributed animal magnetism to her. However, shortly after his work with Francisca, he stopped using magnets as a part of his treatment. I'm just going to make the assumption that magnets weren't doing it, and it was a placebo effect. But, I mean, I could be wrong. What ifs? I wasn't there. Medically speaking, Mesmer's patients were thriving in comparison to other French physicians of this time. So why is that? The main practice by French physicians was bloodletting for everything. So unless you were in heart failure, you would probably get much worse when being seen by a French physician. This, of course, did not make him a favorite among the other French physicians. So they went to King Louis the 16th 16th, and asked him to investigate. So King Louis eventually appointed four members of the Faculty of Medicine to investigate animal magnetism by conducting a series of experiments focusing not only on if animal magnetism worked, but also to see if Mesmer had discovered some new strange physical fluid. Can you imagine, like, now the king's got to investigate you because all the physicians hate you? But the thing is, bloodletting was so common. I mean, we still use bloodletting for certain ailments today that, you know, it, it actually fits yeah. for. But he thought there was something other than blood, like another fluid. Yeah, I guess. Interesting. I mean, his stuff was actually working compared to everyone else, no matter what it was. You went to them, they're like, oh, bloodletting. But he got creative. He said, drink this iron and then I'll magnetize you. And it worked. And people got better than if they were to visit others. Did it work? No, but did it work better than bloodletting at that point in time? Yes. Can you imagine? My arm's broken. What do we do? Well, grab the leeches. We have to drain your blood. Oh, my gosh. I wouldn't be okay. No. I uh, had a leech suck my blood once. Freaked me the fuck out. Was it on purpose? No. I love leeches, though. Because they grow. Do you see how big they get? No. They like, they're so short and fat. And then they stretch out and it looks like a little nose and it's wiggling. It's doing a little wiggling thing. It's cute. Smelling for your blood. And I love leeches. I'm so sorry. I would be so down to be leeched just for funsies. Because no. it also feels weird. My leech, I didn't feel it at all because they use that, the numbing, whatchamacallit, when they bite. When you like pull it off. Uh, I was I, in you're such not a panic to pull when it I off pulled it thing. off. And I do feel bad. Okay. Did you so, kill the leech? <gasps> all right, hear me out. So I was kayaking and I was at the edge of the river and I just had my feet in as one does. And then I got out. I got all the way home. Like I drove back to my house or my mother's house. It's rinsing out my kayak, just la-di-da, about to go home. And I look down and there's a fucking leech attached to my ankle. So, of course, I panicked and flicked it off me into the yard. So, did I kill it? No. Did it probably die? Yeah. Because it monster. wasn't in a body of water anymore. And that bite got so irritated that it was there for a very long time. You're a monster. I can't believe you would do that to it. I'm going to use some leech. pet leeches for Christmas. I don't like pets. <laughs> I love my dog and cat, but I don't like. No, you just have, have to, to take feed it of. like once. I don't know what once a month, once know. every six months. You just never had suck your pet, blood. Never had a pet leech, but I could look into it. What would it live in? I think they, people do have them as pets and they just feed them their blood like once every six months. I'm pretty sure it just lives in a container. Maybe you just get me like a card. <laughs> I'll get you something. I don't know yet. <laughs> Another side note, man, we're venturing off. But whenever I was little, um, we had fleas. <laughs> Not bad, but you know, it happens. Our basement, when you walk down the stairs, it had concrete, concrete floors. Our pets were in and out. We had fleas when you walked down into the basement. And I felt so bad about killing one one time. Well, I didn't kill it. You know how you like roll it up in a little ball? Those of you who have had fleas in their house, you understand. Fleas are a little tiny. You roll it up in a little ball to kill it. Well, I rolled it up in a little ball and then I felt bad about it. So I laid it on my arm and let it drink my blood to get its strength back and put it outside. That made up for the leech. And that's what kind of child I was. I love that. I love that you did that. Yep. I also ate dog food, but that's for another day. (laughs) (laughs) We're not. I'm going to leave you a little cliffhanger on that one. Okay. So moving on. So. 
So King Louis had the four members of the Faculty of Medicine to investigate. One of the members of the panel was actually Benjamin Franklin. Ooh, ooh. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Just thought that was cool. I thought that was a cool tie-in. But the findings were that there was no strange fluid and that the benefits from Mesmer's treatments of patients were attributed simply to the imagination. Imagination. Enter um, the SpongeBob meme there. I've never seen SpongeBob. (gasps) I'm not going to comment on this because Gabby already knows what I have to say. I've said it a million times. There's a reason why Gabby is the way she is. Weird. And it's because she couldn't watch SpongeBob. (laughs) No, I'm just teasing. That's probably why she's so intelligent. SpongeBob rotted the rest of our brains. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown with three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown. You get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at Wilmington and beaches Sorry, I was a SpongeBob kid, too, to all those who were like, you monster. (laughs) This is derailing fast. (laughs) Okay, so after the investigations on animal magnetism, Mesmer was driven into exile. Dun, dun, dun. He did continue to practice in Switzerland for some years, though, and eventually died in Germany. So that's the story of Mesmer. Um, I have one of my coworkers, shout out to Jordan. Um, told me that Mesmer used to like trick people. Um, I don't know, used to trick them using hypnotism or sight was fake or something like that. I couldn't find anything on that. My dad and him, no, he has a psychology degree. I'm sure he's fine. But then again, I also couldn't find uh, Mrs. Crouch's first name and you all found it. So kudos to you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you all rock. Keep up the good work. And if you do find out stuff about Mesmer, like uh, scamming people, I would like to know. Because I do genuinely think he thought what he was doing was science or was helping in some way, shape, or form. I could be wrong. Okay, so now that we've established that... um, Mesmer may or may not have been scamming. Yeah, may or may not have been scamming. We're going to move on to the next in our journey. So, on the journey to how hypnotism began, next we have Abbe Feria. He was a Luso-Goan Catholic monk. Did I say that right? Probably. Unlike Mesmer, Feria understood that rather than magic, hypnotism worked purely by the power of suggestion. He is known as one of the pioneers of hypnotism. So now that it has been established that hypnotism isn't some mystical force, it started to find its way into the world of modern medicine. A researcher by the name of James Braid helped to reveal the biological and physical benefits of being hypnotized. He created one of the most influential methods of hypnotism, also known as the eye fixation technique or Braidism. So this is a quote that I took straight from my wonderful Wikipedia. It is a direct quote. Take any bright object between the thumb and four and middle fingers of the left hand. Hold it from about eight to 15 inches from the eyes. At such position above the forehead as may be necessary to produce the greatest possible strain upon the eyes and eyelids and enable the patient to maintain a steady fixed stare at the object. The patient must be made to understand that he is to keep the eyes steadily fixed on the object and the mind riveted on the idea of one object. It will be observed that owing to the consensual adjustment of the eyes, the pupils will be at first contracted. They will shortly begin to dilate after they have done so to a considerable extent. So basically just stare at something until your eyes start to really hurt. And then they will have an assumed wavy motion If the four and middle fingers of the right hand extended a little separated are carried from within the object towards the eyes, most probably the eyelids will close involuntarily with a vibratory motion. If this is not the case or the patient allows the eyeballs to move, desire him to begin anew, given him to understand that he is allowed 
the eyelids to close when the fingers are again carried towards the eyes, but that the eyeballs must be kept fixed in the same position and the mind riveted to the one idea of the object held above the eyes. In general, it will be found that the eyelids close with the vibratory motion or become spasmodically closed. Oh my God, that was a mouthful. <laughs> That's just a fancy way of saying to keep the eyes focused in the center and then move your fingers and then the eyes are should involuntarily close. It's because when you stare <sighs> at something so long, like I'm doing it right now, if you stare at it and you keep staring at it, it kind of like, and you move your fingers back and forth. It makes your eyes blurry. Yeah, it makes you kind of dizzy though, like out of it. If you do it to yourself and you only close your eyes, like blink when it comes closer. Oh man, it messes with you. But it does make you feel, see? It does. It All puts right, you in a trance-like state. Take, everybody, let's take a quick 30 seconds. Um, pause the video and then do that to yourselves. Ready, go. We don't have to pause. They pause. <laughs> I was just trying to do it to myself. It does put you in like a, a relaxed state. I like it. All right. If you press play again, let's go. After James Braid helped pave the way to hypnotism today, we have another known contributor, Emil. Emil. Emil Q. He was a French psychologist. <laughs> I know that word. He was a French psychologist and pharmacist. He's known for his use of a new method of psychotherapy to heal and help with self-improvement using a form of auto-suggestion or self-hypnotism. This is what I, am, I attribute hypnotism to is like the auto-suggestion you get people in a trance-like state and they're more open to your suggestions. So I guess you could get them to do whatever you wanted to. Within reason. Or without of reason. But we're going to get into that more later. So, Emile thought that using auto-suggestion and repeating specific words or images, what, by doing this, a person could change their thoughts and feelings and even their behaviors. Almost as if like we say something enough that it'll sink into our subconscious. And to me, that kind of sounds like the power of affirmations. And positive thinking. Yes. But they're like your mind listens to what, like how you talk about yourself. So you're supposed to talk about yourself positively so that you start associating yourself as like better than you think you are. Yep. I once had someone explain the way the brain can absorb things like this to me and it stuck with me. I really like it. So the brain is an organ like any other organ in the body. The brain is lazy, so to speak. It wants to do whatever uses the least amount of energy and it is the most efficient. It is quicker to think of something repetitive every day than to create a new thought. So the brain goes with the thoughts that it knows because it's a creature of habit. So to get the negative thoughts out of your head, you need to create new habits, hence affirmations. If you repeat the words enough times, your brain will automatically jump to those thoughts out of habit in the future because it is lazy. So basically, fake it till you make it and force happy thoughts. I am a firm believer that just because you think something, that does not mean it's going to happen or that you're inviting that energy in, blah, blah, blah. I have OCD and I think some pretty horrendous stuff and my intrusive thoughts are terrifying. But like I said, those aren't me. That's just a little voice in my head. But I do like the idea of affirmations to trick the brain. Um, and I kind of, I can see that as tying into hyp hypnotism. See, I do something different with my thoughts because I used to think really negative thoughts when I had anxiety. So now when I'm anxious, I say really dumb stuff out loud. Like I'll say something <laughs> like, oh, I'm so cold, but it's boiling. And then I'll catch myself because Stephen will be like, it's cold. What do you mean you're cold? It's like 90 <laughs> degrees. I'm like, oh, yeah, I mean, I'm hot. Sorry, wrong word. But I'll just say something like a feeling that is an anxiety to explain my discomfort. So I'll say, oh, I'm hungry. But like I just ate. I don't know that why. But it kind of like takes my focus off of being anxious. It doesn't do much for me, but it kind of like tricks me into thinking maybe it's something else. See, I'm kind of the reverse of that, as in I have trouble differentiating between like, am I excited or am I anxious? Or for example, if I'm sick, my body is feeling discomfort and I can't pinpoint. It's like my brain doesn't realize, oh, you're feeling this way because you don't feel good. So it'll make up shit 
and it'll create scenarios that don't exist. And then I just dive into a rabbit hole. It's really bad. So if I'm feeling anxious for any reason, then my mind will be like, hmm, you're feeling anxious. Are you and Chris all right? And then I'll be like, oh my God, are we all right? And then I spiral. It's very exhausting. I'm going to say what everyone always says. Think positive. Please I shut fixed up. you. You're welcome. <laughs> it's there free. you go. <laughs> free of charge. Why don't you just smile more? Oh my God. Know? People give such good suggestions. Next on our trip down the hypnotism highway, we have Sigmund Freud. Freud. We love Freud. We love Freud. Do we love Freud? Mm. Whenever Freud founded psychoanalysis, he actually practiced hypnotism. Do you know that? Yep. Oh, well, you're no fun. I've, I took so many psych <laughs> classes because I thought it was so fun. And Freud is, oh man, that guy. Love I him. I learned about him. I don't remember which one of my basic classes had me learn about him. I also watched Freud on Netflix. It's like this German drama. But let me tell you, it was spicy and just off the rails. It's really good. I love German spice or is it weird spicy? Um, A little bit of both. At least they made Freud really attractive. So that's a oh, win. Oh, okay. He initially used um, hypnotism to attempt to recover repressed memories and patients. And then he stopped using hypnotism due to discovering something called transfer- transference. He was helping a woman with her pain by hypnotizing her to find the origin of where her pain began. And then the woman woke from her trance and wrapped her arms around Freud's neck. He concluded that this woman could have irrational feelings or fears related to him that he transferred from other people in her life. So as a way to stop all of this from continuing to happen with further patients, he stopped using hypnotism altogether. Interesting. I did think that was pretty cool. So from Freud, next we have Carl Jung. Jung? Jung. Carl Jung. It's J-U-N-G. And Carl Jung was a student and a colleague of Freud. So Jung didn't actually practice hypnosis himself, but he did encourage, encourage his patients to use their imagination and inner guide to begin healing. I like that. So now we're cruising on into the 1900s to a man named Milton Erickson. He was an American psychiatrist and psychologist who specialized in medical hypnosis and family therapy. He is known as one of the most influential people when it comes to hypnosis. He developed the approach Ericksonian hypnotherapy, I think I'm saying that right, which basically used indirect suggestions and using their inner resources of the client. So venturing into the late 1900s, early 2000s, we have Ormond McGill. He practiced both stage hypnosis and hypnotherapy, and he had many interests, including meditation and religious mysteries. He once traveled to India to study hypnosis and mysticism in the country, and he has very much contributed to a better understanding and acceptance of hypnosis. So he did both like the performance hypnosis and also he helped people with hypnotherapy or was his performance helping people with hypnotherapy? Or was he just fucking with people? He'd be like, "Uh, I act like a chicken. I don't think he was fucking with people. I don't know. I said stage hypnosis. When I... When I see stage hypnosis, I want to think cluck like a chicken, though. Yeah. Stage hypnosis gives me a lot of anxiety. Yeah, because you're in front of everybody. And so one thing about me is I do not like be not like being in control. Like I want to be in control in every situation. I don't like drinking alcohol. I want to be in control of myself. And that is a huge fear is not being in control of myself. Would I ever do stage hypnosis? Fuck no. You could not pay me. Pretty much, yeah. I'm even afraid to do actual hypnosis, but I'm going to do it because you got to face your fears. But like I was talking to my therapist and I was like, oh, my God, what if I say like I murdered somebody? And obviously I've never murdered anybody. But what I don't know what I'm going to say under hypnosis. What if I just don't think it counts if it's under hypnosis? She said it doesn't. Also. Um, if you tell a therapist you murdered someone, you can't get arrested for that. My therapist said otherwise. No, if you tell them you're gonna murder somebody. I know, but I feel like if they got subpoenaed, like they, 
If they get subpoenaed, yeah. Yeah. But like legally, they don't have to go tell somebody. I don't think. I think most will though. Yeah, I'm sure they will. But, and I could be completely wrong. I could be talking about out of my ass right now. I, I can't know. Google that because it would look sus. <laughs> so we'll never know. You all let me know if you know. Don't give it a goog though. I don't want to be responsible for getting any of you all flagged. Gabby's probably already flagged from the last episode. Now I'm Googling deep water mysteries, like deep water disasters. Um, I'm obsessed with the ocean. So this should be, this should be fun. That scares me. Don't do anything about scuba diving. Anyway, on hypnosis today. Oh my gosh, Gab. Also, last in my Google search history is um, spontaneous human combustion. So look forward to that in a, in a week or two. All right. So hypnosis today, like Gabby was saying, we're moving on from the past. We're moving into the future. Modern hypnotherapy has been used in a variety of forms with varying success. Some examples are addiction, age regression, cognitive behavioral hypotherapy, Ericksonian, hypnotherapy. I said hypotherapy a second ago. Cognitive behavioral hypnotherapy. Ericksonian hypnotherapy. Fears or phobias. Habit control. Pain management. Psychotherapy. Relaxation. Reduction in repetitive behaviors. Soothing anxious surgical patients. Sports performance. Weight loss. Menopause. Irritable bowel syndrome. Forensic hypnosis, military, the list goes on and on. Truly too many for me to list in an annoying way like I was just doing. So how does this process even take place today? Usually a psychologist, psychiatrist, therapist that is certified in hypnotherapy will screen you to measure your ability to become hypnotized using a suggestibility scale. They do this because not everyone is actually susceptible to hypnosis. So certain research studies have shown that about two-thirds of adults are susceptible to hypnosis. And the rest just, you're out of luck. The power of suggestion. You have to be like really open to suggestion. I can feel that. I, however, hate when anyone else just suggests anything to me. Even if it's nice. I'm like, why am I trying to fight you? You literally just commented (laughs) something. I don't know. It fills me with rage. I'd be one of those people. They'd be like, you're feeling sleepy. I'd be like, no, the heck I'm not. What the fuck? Like, I'm, I'll fight you right here now. It's not great. I don't know why I am the way that I am. (laughs) I can see that. Yeah, you got to be open to it. It's the same reason adults don't see ghosts. Yeah. You know you need protein to fuel results, but it's not easy when you're drinking the same bland chalky shake every day. Stop punishing yourself and get to GNC for the best protein in the game, including all the hottest brands and crave-worthy flavors that'll keep you coming back for more. We're talking protein that legit tastes like cookies, your favorite cereals, indulgent desserts, and more. So bust out of your protein rut and actually look forward to those shakes with unbeatable protein at unbeatable prices. Fuel your fitness with protein at GNC. We're not supposed to see ghosts? No, but like children, children see hella ghosts. And it's because their minds aren't closed off yet. Adults are very closed-minded. This is all my opinion, by the way. There's no science behind this <laughs> whatsoever. So no science behind this. My opinion is that the reason children are more prone to seeing ghosts is because they haven't closed off those areas of their minds yet. We're adults. We're like closed-minded. We're stubborn. We don't believe in Santa anymore. Stop. Stop attacking me this fine <laughs> Sunday afternoon. <laughs> I said adults. I didn't say gab. <laughs> I could be closed-minded. I'm not. You literally <laughs> just said. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. So the person who is hypnotizing you will discuss what makes you feel safe. For example, do you love the beach? A rainy day in the forest? Then the hypnotherapist will try to create that image for you. They might advise you to picture the mist and the fog through the trees, the frogs croaking, the smell of fresh rain against the leaves, anything to help you go deeper into the calming image in your head. And they might sound like this. Supposedly, all the physical aspects of the world around you will begin to drift away. You will dissociate into a hypnotic state or a trance. This state can happen within minutes for some, maybe longer for others. And in this state, you are more open to suggestions like previously talked about. 
The hypnotherapist could ask you to forget about a painful memory, whether it's one session that helps the patient or multiple sessions incorporated into the patient's health care. Their consciousness, that's hard to say, consciousness can become modified in the process. So think of hypnosis as bypassing the critical conscious mind and talking directly to your unconscious. Think of your conscious mind as where you reside every day. Some might think of it as what makes you, you. Our unconscious mind is everything other than that. Some think that little voice you hear in your head is your conscious mind. I don't think that is, but again, that's my opinion. I think I am the one acknowledging and hearing that voice, but not the one speaking the voice. But that's neither here nor there. Our unconscious mind controls all things that we don't. Maybe like a filing cabinet where all of our old memories, emotions, etc. are stored until we need to pull them out again. Which makes me think of, you haven't seen it, everyone here has seen it. The Spongebob episode where he's in his head and there's a gazillion filing cabinets up there and he's trying to find one thing. And all of the little mini Spongebobs are running around in circles and they're like, find it, find it. That's what I picture in my head. I don't know how to picture that. Gabby's going to have to give that a goog after this. So how hypnosis can bypass our built-in firewall cannot be fully explained to this day. Not all these things can be explained, but this is a science podcast, so let's at least take a look at some of the studies. So science behind hypnotism. All right, so right now is our science portion. Yay for science. We love it. Yay! Woo! Some more than others, but that's neither here nor there. I sound like you. <laughs> All right, I'm going to mention some notable studies in favor of hypnosis. Shout out to the Hypnosis Training Academy for sharing all of these on their website. You're a real one. First one we're going to talk about, and I'm going to read like the um, scientific paper names or article names or whatever before I list what it's describing. So, functional changes in brain activity after hypnosis in patients with dental phobia. The first on our list is a groundbreaking study because it is the first of its kind. The reason it's so groundbreaking is because it studied the effects of multiple areas of the brain before and after hypnosis. I will say that this sample size is, it's very small, but it is still something. There were 24 people in the study, 12 of which were patients with dental phobia. 12 of which were the control group. By doing this study, it successfully shows that the anxiety-provoking stimuli can be reduced with hypnosis. So by using functional magnetic resonance imaging, multiple fear structures in the brain were researched. The study showed that the fear centers in the brain actually changed. This study concluded that hypnosis is in fact a useful method in inhibiting reaction of fear circuitry structures and dental phobics nice that's all you have to say about that <laughs> well they did MRIs, so that's neat <laughs> all right next up is hypnosis and music with breast biopsy in the next study there were 75 breast biopsy patients and they were assigned to three different groups at random there was a control group a music only group and a hypnosis music group the group that was exposed to music had less stress and anxiety, which makes sense. But the group that had hypnosis with music had reduced stress, anxiety, depression, and an increase in optimism about the event. Super cool. Moving on, our third I'm going to talk about is women experience pain relief during labor through self-hypnotism, self which, I mean, is very cool. I don't think, I, if I ever do have children, I will probably die. Why are God, you I hope so I don't. pessimistic? <laughs> wow. After I said that, I was like, Brenna, you can actually die, so you maybe shouldn't say We're that. We're just going to hypnotize you now. <laughs> God. All right, self-hypnotism is apparently awesome for pain management and has become increasingly more popular for managing pain during childbirth. The study is what's called a thematic network analysis, one of the most common forms of analysis in qualitative research. It is done with pinpointing, extracting, and recording patterns or themes inside data. So what exactly does that mean for this study? The analysis involved 48 randomly selected women from the 
343 that were in the intervention group, most but not all revealed positive feelings of calmness, confidence, and empowerment from self-hypnosis. I feel like that could work. I know I watched a YouTube video on a girl that used hypnotism during childbirth and she was like, yeah, I was just vibing. Like, obviously you could feel pain, but she was more in a more, more relaxed vibes than pain. day. Yeah. All right. That's pretty cool. That's something to look into for all of you pregnant listeners out there. If you want to look into that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Next up, number four, hypnosis for treatment of insomnia in school aged children. There were 84 patients in this study, nine quote unquote were lost, whatever that means, but the remaining 75 were taught self-hypnosis. It investigates the psychological and social stressors in these children to see if hypnosis could help. The research did in fact conclude that hypnosis does help with insomnia in school-aged children. Next up, number five, efficacy. Tolerability and safety of hypnosis in adults with irritable bowel syndrome. IBS is a medical condition that affects the large intestine and can cause some serious intestinal issues. This study is a meta-analysis, which is a statistical procedure of combining data from multiple studies of randomized controlled trials. So basically, they're looking for the treatment effect to be consistent from one study to another. The sample size was 464 patients taken from eight random controlled trials. The findings showed that not only is hypnosis safe for IBS, but it also provided long-term release in 54% of patients. So over half. I'm so curious. Can I just find that paper if I look up the name? Because I just want to know, yeah. they're like, you no longer have to use the bathroom. Like, how is the hypnosis? How does, yeah, how does that even work? I, yeah, I want to know. I have no idea. What were the control? Like, what was happening in those groups? I need, I need, I need to know. I'm. We're, we can look that one up after okay. the episode. All right, number six is hypnosis for treatment of HIV neuropathic pain. This study reports that distal sensory polyneuropathy (DSP) is the most common nervous system complication of HIV. The study centers around discovering if hypnosis could help with painful HIV DSP. At the completion of the study, a whopping 72% of the subjects had improved pain scores. I wonder if it helps with pain. Like, have you ever heard of like trigeminal neuralgia? It's, um, Mm-mm. the pain apparently is so bad that people commit suicide because oh. of it. And it can happen because of like root canals and stuff like that. It's, it's interesting. Um, that's so sad. Yeah. We, I have a family member with it, but I wonder if hypnosis could work for that. I don't know. I'm curious. It, I wonder if anyone's done I, any yeah, studies. Yeah, I was going to say. Apparently, it helps with so much other pain management that it's definitely something to look into. Okay, so next up, we're on number seven: cognitive hypnotherapy for depression. This study included 84 patients who were suffering with depression, being split into two groups. The first group received 16 weeks of cognitive hypnosis treatment while the second group received 16 weeks of cognitive behavioral therapy. So at the end of the 16 weeks, both groups had experienced significant changes for the better when in comparison to the beginning of the study. However, for the hypnosis group, the impacts of the patients were more significant in the Beck depression inventory, Beck anxiety inventory, and Beck hopelessness scale. According to the APA, which is the American Psychological Association, Hypnotism meets the criteria for an efficient treatment. That is just crazy. All right, number nine, hypnosis versus diazepam for embryo transfer. I thought this was pretty crazy. The study I, I found especially interesting um, as my department where I'm working is currently toxicology and one of the drugs I test for is diazepam. So 94 patients took part in this study. One group received the normal treatment for embryo transfer, which is diazepam before the procedure, along with muscle relaxation. The second group received hypnosis plus placebo. The anxiety levels in both groups were the same before and after the embryo transfers, concluding that hypnotism 
was just as effective as the diazepam in regards to the pregnancy ratio and reduction of anxiety in patients. Did the patients agree to potentially be hypnotized? You know what I'm saying? Because I'd be slightly I feel like they peeved. would have to. I don't know, though, because half of them received a placebo. I know. So, I'd be really peeved if I was supposed to get, like, my actual medicine and they were like, nah, fam. I feel Hypnos- like, uh, legally like speaking, they would have had to... They'd have to sign something, right? Like, yeah, I'm open to being tricked, bamboozled, hoodwinked. I don't know. That gives me anxiety. I don't know why. My computer is like, you need to plug yourself in right now. Read. We have one left. We're going to go for it. All right. Number 10, clinical hypnosis in the treatment of postmenopausal hot flashes. So I was not aware of this, but apparently the safety of estrogen and progesterone supplements has been in question lately which is leading researchers to search for effective ways to reduce hot flashes in postmenopausal women that do not include these supplements. So this single blind controlled study included 187 women with one group of the participants receiving five hypnosis sessions a week. The other group used structured attention control. When comparing the two groups after the five-week period, the hypnosis group had significant reductions in hot flashes in comparison to the other group. Pretty crazy. I could quite literally go on for days with the number of scientific studies that support hypnotism as a medical treatment. And I was honestly very pleasantly surprised with my findings while researching. I personally think that hypnosis does work. I think there is so much more to our brain chemistry that we can even understand. And I also think that maybe hypnosis helps us reach past our ego into our soul but that's a whole other discussion one that we don't have time for and i don't know how scientific that can get but we'll find out <laughs> whenever I, a little whenever bit I do. am i anyways before i go i can't help but list some of the times hypnosis has been used for evil back in the 1900s there were an extremely no- large number of cases where criminals would say that they were hypnotized And that is why they committed the crimes that they did. One of these cases was a case in Germany in 1923 where a woman named Paula Bodin claimed two men hypnotized her. And that is why she helped them steal several million marks worth of appliances. Doctors examined her and agreed. It must have been that she was hypnotized. Plus, the men admitted in court that they had hypnotized women in the past while simultaneously claiming they did in fact not hypnotize Bowden. These cases against her were dismissed and she was set free while they were in prison. What did the doctors examining her look for? That's what I'm saying. Like, how can you be like, ah, obviously wasn't hypnotized. I'm going to look into that case. That is fascinating. (laughs) So much happened in it. All right. And this, this was, oh man, this one. Another interesting case. In 1924, there was a hypnotist performing On stage, and he called a policeman up on stage. After placing him under, he gave him a stick and proceeded to tell him to shoot the audience with it. The police officer began pointing the stick at the audience and trying to shoot them with it. But when the stick didn't fire, the hypnotized officer pulled out his real gun and wildly fired into the audience, killing three people and wounding many others. It took some time to pull the officer back out of his trance. And the officer never recovered from what he had done, and the hypnotist was arrested for carelessness. Anyways, that's all, folks. Um, Gabs, what's your thought on hypnotism? Would you try it? Would I try hypnotism? Yeah. Absolutely not. That's a definite no for me. <laughs> but I do think it does have merit because I do a lot of mindfulness, like um, guided meditation. The thing is, my brain is so loud. That even if I'm like, I I use a VR headset for it sometimes. So you're like fully immersed in guided meditation and it's telling you like to relax and imagine this and that. And I'm just like, I don't know. Have you ever watched um, it? It's so hard to do. Like, have you Mm -hmm. ever watched that anime on Netflix where it's like this really angry red panda, panda, I think. (laughs) And she just screams a lot. That's my brain trying to do any guided meditation or like relaxation techniques. Um, The only time. Maybe if someone hypnotized me while working out, <laughs> I would, because it's the only time my brain gets clear. It shuts because down I'm a little fully bit. like into what I'm doing. I don't know. I get really happy and then my brain just goes clear. I used the only to time. Um, 
I used to do practice meditation, and I feel like that's like a a hypnotic state almost. If you do it, meditation right. is so hard though. Like, I don't know. It's very hard to get your brain to shut off. I never could get mine to shut off, but I did have to do it there for a little while um, to be able to go to sleep at night. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> so sorry. Maybe you could get Yoda. A- I am Yoda listener. You were right, and I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the the listener they did read you. You all to pick fail. up. You pick up what I'm putting down. I hate but that for you. I feel like I wouldn't let someone hypnotize me. I don't oh, trust gonna. anyone that much. Not even Steve, because I'm he'd be so like, well, I trust, he pranked me. I trust my therapist that much. I'm going to make her sit with me because I don't know the other lady, the like licensed lady. I don't know who she is. But um, yeah, I'm going to have my therapist sit with me. I also asked if I can have my mom in there because she's like my bestie for the restie. Well, let us know how it goes and then you could come back. I will. And then do a review. I'm scared of it. They're like, like I said, what if I say something you all never hear from me again and I'm just shipped off to like, uh, that's not going to happen probably. Siberia? I was going to say a mental ward. (laughs) I was thinking Siberia because it's cooler. Social Siberia. (laughs) All right. Anyways, as always, thank you guys for listening. If you've been hypnotized, please write us at mysteryofeverythingpod at gmail.com and let us know. Check out our Instagram at Mystery of Everything Pod. Shoot Gabby a text. Hey! (laughs) I'm just kidding. Anyways, um, yeah, that's all. My computer literally just shut off. That That was was amazing. Good timing. I hope you liked the episode. Sorry for my rambles. Bye. Bye. Monsters are as old as humanity itself. Monsters embody our fears. Yet, they help us define the boundaries of what it means to be human. We know most monsters aren't real. Yet, we can use monsters to learn about reality. Psychology, biology, folklore, literature, critical thinking. We're on a journey to learn about the world through the lens of monsters. And we hope you'll come along with us. Subscribe at monstertalk.org.